Let's get it. You already know what time it is. Welcome back into the NFL with AJL, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 9 is packed. The NFL offseason has completely unfolded. The NFL Combine, something I usually don't buy in on, absolutely had me glued over these past few days. We've got risers, fallers, takeaways. You already know my New Orleans Saints have signed Derek Carr. We're getting all into that. Lamar Jackson, more franchise, man, I'm saying franchise. Is he a franchise quarterback to the Baltimore Ravens? They're putting the tag on him. We're getting into that as well. Um, so much to get into talking about Geno Smith today. I know Daniel Jones also just got signed. That's going to be in Friday's episode. I know y'all didn't see me last week. I uh, just had to get a personal reset. Wasn't completely prepped for the show, so I took the weekend off coming back. And hey, look, when you leave, things unfold. And I got a lot of great content to give you guys today. Super duper pumped. Again, this is episode nine. You already know about the QR code. Scan it if you can't. At the NFL with AJL on all social platforms. It's every bit of our content. Also find us on podcast platforms as well. Leave us a review. Really helps us in the algorithm. Wherever you're watching the stream, please like. Please subscribe if you're on YouTube. Hit that bell. You will never miss a post and as always you know at any time you can call the show 678-480-8716 again call the show debate me live 678-480-8716 such a loaded show i didn't even know where to start off to be honest with you guys i was like man i mean news was breaking today news broke yesterday um i feel like it was getting to me before i was able to get to it in terms of my friends hitting me up and i was just like dude Thought the combine was going to be big. I, I kind of had some topics that I thought I was going to pull into the show because it was going to be a slow news week. Absolutely not. Appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. Again, this is episode nine. Derek Carr, go vroom, vroom. <laughs> there we go. Darby, that's not your usual first comment, but as always, you know, I appreciate you getting in the chat, man. Um, let's go get. Let's go ahead. Darby, I already know you're here for the first topic, so we're definitely getting into it. Derek Carr was signed by our New Orleans Saints to a four-year, $150 million deal. And, of course, the first reaction is this is way too much money. The Saints have been in cap hell for a couple of seasons now. We know what they're doing now or what they're going through now is what happened when they were mortgaging the future with Drew Brees. And, unfortunately, once we get into it, you'll see, it kind of seems like the Saints are going to be going through the same thing with Derek Carr, of course, if he is a long-term option. We're going to dig all through the money here. Um, but but let's just start from the top for starters, what, what everybody already knows really with Derek Carr and with him going to the New Orleans Saints. Of course, he's a four-time Pro Bowler. Um, for, first of all, thank God we didn't trade for him because I I, I – was going to like to see Derek Carr possibly here, but I was like, I, I can't see us trading, giving up actual assets, you know, whatever the case may actually be. Um, but I just, I, I didn't want to give up trade assets or, or draft picks when I knew that really already we were limited on those. We were in cap hell, so we needed as much young talent as possible. We couldn't pay these, you know, talented veterans. Derek Carr's a four time Pro Bowler. He went to the playoffs twice, but he is winless, unfortunately. He almost had the five straight seasons of 4,000 yards. Of course, he got benched last year for Jared Stidham, so that kept him out of the five straight years, but he does have the four straight, and he is only 31. Players have always seemed to like him throughout his career. Of course, with his time with the Raiders, obviously when he was in college as well, he seems to be hyped to be in New Orleans as well. He put the tweet out. It was Tyron Matthew, of course, announcing the Hoodat chant. Very simple tweet from Derek Carr, Hoodat. Um, and he has great energy. This guy's a leader. We know he's a family man. He's open about his religion. He's open about certain things that go on in his life. He went through an insane time with that franchise in Las Vegas with you know the lawsuit, with John Gruden, with the Henry Ruggs incident, uh, with injuries, with no defense. I mean, Derek Carr has been through a lot. In his career, we know that already, and that's why when he comes over to the Saints, it's it's what is he really getting by coming to New Orleans, and what is New Orleans is get what is New Orleans getting out of Derek Carr? We know he can make plenty of throws. He could be better at reading defenses, in my opinion, and we know he can ad lib a little bit if he needs to get a little shifty. He did play in a division where there was Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and he kind of had to pick up from that or pick up on that from them. We know he's been in an MVP conversation as well, but at the end of the day, we know he can be turnover prone. And he hasn't thrown 30 touchdowns, excuse me, since 2015. That was eight years ago. I feel like the standard in the NFL now is to throw at least 33 to 35. 
Last year, Derek Carr threw 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. The interceptions were tied for the most in his career in a season. But let's get into the pros for the New Orleans Saints. We know that this makes the Saints better at quarterback because when you're looking at Jameis Winston, whether it was Andy Dalton, a possibly injured Endon Hooker that does have great upside, yes, but we don't know what he's going to be until he comes back from that injury. Baker Mayfield was in the rumors. Jimmy Garoppolo was in the rumors. And whatever young rookie quarterback that we would have possibly made a haul for. I would have rather, in my opinion, had a top quarterback from this draft for that fresh restart, you know, and we hire a good or better offensive uh, coordinator or head coach once Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael get fired because I do believe that time is coming. Hate to see how it's played out for Pete because I thought he messed with Sean Payton really well. Um, unfortunately, that was not the case, and uh, we know what what Dennis Allen has done also. He got fired towards the end of his tenure with the Raiders, and uh, his win-loss record was just not good. That's on paper there for you. So, you know, we know that this makes New Orleans better at the quarterback position. And, you know, as a fan looking in on it, like we had just had seven wins, no playoffs. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking like, man, is it really going to be Andy? Is it really going to be Jameis? Like, is it really going to be Baker? Is it really going to be Jimmy G? And now you bring in Derek Carr. So this does make me a little bit excited because hear me out. Vegas does have weapons like a Darren Waller, like a Devontae Adams, like a Hunter Renfro, like a Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is going to be a free agent. Derek Carr has deep ties to all those guys. So whether it's possibly this season, whether it's at the trade deadline, whether it's on draft night, whether it's in one season or two, I think fans and the city of New Orleans can look forward to one of those players, maybe if not multiple, actually coming over because they're so tied to Derek Carr as well and because they want to play next to him. This takes New Orleans, I feel like, from the seven-win season, again, no playoff season that they just had, and it might be, or what, excuse me, it could have headed, been headed back towards that to now the best in the division, no question. The Bucs don't have a quarterback. The Falcons just said they're out on Lamar Jackson, and unless the Panthers just strike really big in the draft, considering the Saints defense, how they're running the front office, and just the leadership of the team, New Orleans is going to be the best team in the NFC South, and I don't even say that for a homer take. When you look at the Saints' schedule, me, I see 11 to 12 wins on this schedule. I think we'll go 4-2 and two in the division after this. I think we'll lose to Carolina and Tampa once each, which I know kind of sounds off, but Tampa's got some defense. I'm not just going to say Tampa's a complete wash. Again, I'm not saying we're going to dominate this division, but I do believe we will be the best in the division, and I do believe we will win. Carolina starting to kind of become that scrappy team in the last few years. We know the defense has come around some, nothing to really be desired at the head coach or the quarterback position yet, but I don't think the Saints are just going to absolutely sweep the NFC South. Honestly, I could see us sneaking into a divisional round or further with this defense. We know the defense kind of slacked off some in the year. I didn't really care for it until it had come around towards the back end of the year, and, and it honestly fared well. You look, the Saints play, of course, the NFC South um, opponents, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Bucks. Then they play at home the Lions, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Bears, and the Giants. I see us beating all of those teams outside of the Jaguars. I personally do. I know some people might put up a fight for the Giants. Some people might put up a fight for the um, for, for the Lions. I believe the Saints could beat all those teams. Now we go look at the away teams. Of course, all the division teams again, Falcons, Panthers, uh, Bucks. Then you have Colts. I think that's a win. Vikings, we could probably lose that one. The Vikings look pretty solid last year. I think they're going to hold up for the most part. I don't know. Uh, we have the Rams as well. I think we can beat them. Packers, I think that'll be a hit or miss. Um, it just depends. Does Aaron Rodgers come back? Who do they put in his place? Then you've also got the Texans, and you've also got the Patriots as well. I think those are both wins. So, again, I, I'm believing 11 to 12 wins for this New Orleans Saints team here. Again, we're sticking to the pros. Derek Carr gets a very well-run franchise, stability, great or elite defense, depending on who you asked. Uh, Derek Carr has never had a defense finish above 14th overall in yards or even 20th overall in his nine-year career with the Las Vegas Raiders, what used to be the Oakland Raiders. Dude went through five head coaches and two interns in his time in Vegas, Oregon, in Oakland. The Saints had Sean Payton for 15 years and were a contender for 10 of those years. And the Saints defense, especially over the last three years, which is probably the best it's been in franchise history, has been top nine in points and top seven in yards the last three years in a row. So he comes over and he gets stability. He comes over and he's getting a defense. We know the Saints are a well-run franchise. Obviously, they can draft well. It feels kind of tough to say as a well-run franchise because we know 
that they've been in cap hell, which is, again, is going to be in the cons as we get next and, and unfold into this deal with Derek Carr here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ugh. all right, so let's let's keep moving. <laughs> let's keep it because this is a lot to process. This is this is a ton to process. So let's get into the cons here for Derek Carr's deal. Again, we know New Orleans is well ran. Well, excuse me. Let's let's back up to the pros. Lost my train of thought there for a second. It's just so much going on with this topic. So much to process. So much happening. Um, okay, so we know Derek Carr. He's going to get a Chris Olave. He's going to get an Alvin Kamara. He's going to get a good O line. Good, not great O line. He's going to get that defense as well. Now let's talk about the cons, either for Derek Carr or for the Saints. Either way, the bad parts of the deal. Want to make sure I'm not leaving out on the chat. I'd scream if we traded. So would I. So would I, Darby, if that would have happened. Okay, let's look at the cons for this Derek Carr deal. This here, I feel like, is the position that the Saints were realistically in. Overpaying for a quarterback, no matter who would have came here when they wanted or needed the money, no matter who would have came here, they would have wanted them. They would have wanted the money, or they would have needed the money. And I said that there were no worthy quarterbacks on the market in our price range. We overpaid for Derek Carr, plain and simple. We're going to get into some more of those numbers again. He's a better than middle of the pack quarterback, but he's just outside the top 10. I've seen people have him as low as maybe 17th. I've seen him as high as in the top seven or top eight. I'd probably stick him 11th to 14th, realistically, with Derek Carr. Um, again, he can make a lot of throws. He can be shifty. I don't think he's the best at reading defenses. I don't personally think he could will you to a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, I really don't. And, and the Saints' goal isn't to just make the playoffs or win the division. We're two seasons removed from the most wins in a four-year span with no Super Bowl appearances. We know how to get into the playoffs and win the division. We've done that. And I know the fans want to see the Saints win the Super Bowl again. Again, we are just two seasons removed from the most wins in a four-year span with no Super Bowl appearances. It was an NFL record. I don't see Derek Carr winning us another Super Bowl in his time here. I don't. I don't. I get it. Again, it seems like a lot of positives for him, and I'm not saying it's loaded with negatives, but as far as getting to another Super Bowl, I do not see that happening with Derek Carr. Let's take a look at his last season. He finished with a little over 3,500 yards, third lowest in his career, 24 touchdowns, 14 picks. Again, the interceptions were tied for the most in his career in a single season. Just under 61% completion, which is well below the NFL average and standard. You need to be completing at least at least 65% of your passes. If someone's nice, they might say 63. For me, 65% of your passes got to be completed. That was the lowest in his career, 60.8, where his completion percentage was last year. An 86.3 passer rating, which was also the lowest in his career. And this was after getting Devontae Adams, who is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL at the time, playing alongside Aaron Rodgers. Racking up touchdowns, best route runner in the league. Again, more than likely the best wide receiver at the time when he came over. And I even said it's his former teammate. So there was more continuity there. You know, now it's kind of, uh, now that's kind of a negative for Derek Carr because he didn't use that to his advantage. But I was hyping it up. I said, this is going to be the best quarterback and wide receiver duo in the league. And it wasn't. And Derek Carr, and I, I'm not, I'm not trashing Derek Carr, but in the context of the Saints bringing him over, and for this contract, this is what they just signed. The Saints just gave a 31-year-old declining quarterback $150 million whose team who drafted him and supported him for almost 10 years, put him through all those head coaches, had all of those rallies around him. Ra Raiders fans love, still love Derek Carr. They absolutely loved him while he was there. And now you have him with the New Orleans Saints. The team that drafted him and bought in on him just cut him. It's perspective. The team that nurtured him, believed in him, moved forward with him from the draft, tried to build around him, just cut him one season after signing the best wide receiver in the NFL. So, you know, I, I just kind of wonder what the Saints are doing and thinking, seeing as how right now, you know, and, and even then, we couldn't even afford to extend a Trey Hendrickson, a Marcus Williams, keep a Jared Cook. We've been in cap hell for the last few seasons since we mortgaged the franchise when Drew was well on his way out. And we, you know, I, I don't blame them. We were rallying around Drew, a legend. We wanted to win the second Super Bowl. The playoff mishaps were absolutely insane, and, and we hated to see that, right? But at the end of the day, I will give them credit. 
because they did just restructure Ryan Ramchek, Tyron Matthew, Eric McCoy, Marcus May, and Will Lutz to clear $31.4 million in cap space, which absolutely helps. And the thing about Derek Carr's contract is it is so backloaded that the further along he gets in his career, the closer he gets to 40, the more expensive he's going to become and the more dead cap that he's going to put on this team, like in 2025, 2026, 2027. So, so let's dig into the deal. So overall, the Saints are signing him to a four-year, $150 million contract, according to Ian Rappaport from the NFL. The deal includes $100 million in guaranteed money. I've seen things about $60 million at signing, but it says here he technically got, um, I think, $28.5 million at signing. But either way, he also received a no-trade clause from the Saints. Carr was seeking about $35 million annually, and the Saints had to win a bidding war over the Jets, the Panthers, and potentially others despite their salary cap troubles, despite being in cap hell, despite not being able to extend some of these players that were so young with us that we drafted that are now playing their hearts out with mm, Marcus Williams with the Ravens, mm, with Trey Henderson and the Bengals. Trey Henderson got that payday from the Bengals because of how well he played with us, and we couldn't give it to him. Derek Carr structured his deal to accommodate the Saints' cap issues, clearly, and now new details have shown us that Carr's contract will only count $7.2 million against the cap in 2023 before the deal explodes in 2024 and in 2025. So basically, year one, or, or first thing, you have the signing bonus, $28.5 million. So I think that's the official there. 2023 base salary, $1.5 million fully guaranteed. So again, he's not going to account for a lot of money on the cap this year. After that, in 2024, it's going to go up to 30 million. 2022, or excuse me, 23 and 24's base salary. That's a total of 31 and a half million. That's fully guaranteed for Derek Carr. 2025, it'll be 40 million guaranteed for injury at signing. Of that amount, 10 million will become fully guaranteed in 2021, and then the remainder becomes fully guaranteed in 2025. The payments are in the form of 90 man offseason roster a bonus in the amount of 10 million and a 30 million dollar base salary. Take from that what you want. I just want to pull it out and put put it out in full context so we all understand what this is saying. 2026 base salary, 50 million non-guaranteed. So here's really where you break it down. It's, it's, so it's technically a four-year, $150 million deal. It's at best a three-year, $100 million deal. The fourth year is uh, really aimed simply at driving the average from 33.3 a year up to 37 and a half since he was reportedly wanting to make about that 35. And now it's going to be giving him about 37 and a half a year. The contract could be as short as two years, 70 million, which doesn't sound horrible. But with the final 10 million being subject to offset in 2025. So at a minimum, Derek Carr would make $60 million for one year. The only way to avoid owing him 70 million over two years would be to cut him after the one season, which again, that final 10 million will be subject to offset in 2025. So the way the way they structured it, like first year up front, that's great. They gave him signing bonus money that we did, didn't have. Um, you know, it's backloaded so intensely again to where the more Derek Carr gets to the back of his contract and the more that Derek Carr moves towards the age of 40, the more that Derek Carr is going to cost for the New Orleans Saints. And again, the deal includes a no-trade clause, so no one would trade for that deal if Derek Carr didn't want to play for this team in question with or without an official no-trade clause. So no one's going to come after him in, unless Derek Carr says, yeah, I want to play there, which will kind of spark some emotion and say, okay, we might pay you more than what we want or more than what people want. All we can hope for is a change of scenery and revitalizes him. Yeah, you're right, you're right man. I mean, you're absolutely right. No question about that. You got to hope that a change of scenery will really help Derek Carr. Um, I mean. You know, he's he's not a bad quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad quarterback at the end of the day. He's better than average, good, but I wouldn't put him much above good. You know, again, the Saints, they want to win another Super Bowl. We're not in it to win the division. We're not in it to just win a playoff game or two. We want to go win the Super Bowl. That's not going to be possible with Derek Carr. It's just not going to be possible with him. I, I don't see how it will be. Um, so there you have it. The New Orleans Saints have signed Derek Carr to a four-year, $150 million deal. Again, I'm glad we didn't trade for him. Um, I, I, Again, it makes our floor higher, of course. 
or however you say, it, I guess it, it makes the bad parts of us better, but it won't take or bring the best parts of us really out of us. That's the best way for me to understand that. Um, so yes, there you have it. Derek Carr signed with the new Orleans saints. Get in the comments. Let me know what you think. Call the show six, seven, eight, four, eight, zero, eight, seven, one, six. Um, you know, I'm I, again, I'm excited about it. I am. I'm excited about it because we're going to have a guy that's definitely athletically capable. He can put numbers up. I don't think he's going to be extravagant, but it's better than what we were looking at. Um, I do think it makes us the best in the division. I do make, I do think that we'll win the division. I do think we'll get into the playoffs, maybe have one playoff win. Um, and, and a lot of that's going to be because of that defense. I think that'll be about 60 to 65% defensive driven for the New Orleans Saints this year. But enough about Derek Carr. It's a tank top for me. Oh, yeah? Is it? I got a super fan in the chat. It's the camera quality for me. It's your comment for me. That's what it is for me. <laughs> I appreciate you jumping in. Let me uh, let me refresh here, just like we had to on Friday. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode nine of the NFL with AJL. Wherever you're watching the stream, please make sure to like the stream. Subscribe if you're on YouTube. Hit the bell. The QR code in the corner of the screen. Scan it. It's every bit of our content. If you can't find it, at the NFL with AJL on all social platforms, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Now let's flip over to the NFL Combine. NFL Combine just happened. And again, this isn't usually something that I really tap into, but I could not shy away from all of the performances that we actually saw in the NFL Combine. <clears throat> I'm going to hit a few players because it's it, it's a good bit, right? We, we got to talk about what happened, how it might have made them rise, fall, some takeaways, um, it's, it's, it might not be crazy long, but we're going to do about half of them here. Move on to another topic, come back, hit the last topic of the show and then we'll be out. But don't you worry. We're just getting started. All right. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson here at the NFL combine weighed in at 244 pounds stands at six foot four ran the 40 yard dash in 4.43 seconds, which is the fourth best by a quarterback since 2003. He was third in the 10 yard splits as well on the 40 for all quarterbacks cleared 40 and a half inches in the vertical jump and he had a 10 foot nine broad jump in the NFL combine. Those were records also for the two jumps that I just mentioned. People are comparing him to Cam Newton, Josh Allen. I'm not really with the Lamar Jackson because he's like twice the size of Lamar, but I get it with the speed, with the agility, um, you know, with the, with the rushing numbers that he had at Florida and the dude is a tank. No doubt. If like perspective, when you look at his measurables, with everything I just said, he's as big as Josh Allen, and he ran as fast as RG3 and even faster than Justin Fields at the NFL Combine with the numbers that he just put up. Talking about the drills that we went through here, I think he had really nice velocity and zip on the football when he was going through these drills. Very clean form, efficient follow-through, real professional with this format. It looked put together. I know when he's played at Florida, he's got some low lights. He's got some parts where you're like, hmm. That might not be the sexiest thing on tape, and that's got to be refined about him. But the form at the combine looks solid. I thought the slants were perfect. The short out routes could have been cleaned up with some of the accuracy. Um, but his deep passes, very, very nice. He's got one of the best deep balls in the game, um, or, or rather for the for the college quarterbacks coming up right now. One of the best. Three effortless 60-yard dots just showing off his arm strength there. Um, you know, with what happened here at the combine with Anthony Richardson last one had a little too much air on it and it still went 60 yards. So that showed you that that was a, a throw that he put that far and it shows you that he could have went even further with it. The first two didn't even feel like he put everything into it as well. Talking about the deep throws. You look at Anthony Richardson at the 2023 NFL combine. He weighed in at six foot four and a quarter. So he's taller than George Kittle. He's heavier than the son Reddick at 244 pounds. His hands are bigger than DeAndre Hopkins, which is major to me. D hop to me best hands in the NFL, 10 and a half inch hands and a 40.5 inch vertical, which is higher than Devontae Adams. This guy's a freak of nature. We were all hyped up about Trey Lance. We've been hyped up about a lot of athletes in the NFL draft. Another athlete coming out of Florida. Anthony Richardson is 100%. Not like literally, but he's riding some of the coattails of that Kyle Pitts hype. I know Kyle Pitts was a couple seasons ago, but you got a hell of an athlete coming out of the draft. Kyle Pitts was a lot more fine-tuned, but in terms of like once he performed at the combine, people flipped about Kyle Pitts, right? Once Anthony Richardson performed um, at the NFL combine, people were flipping out. His number one overall pick, odds, February 16th, they were at plus 8,000. Three days later, they had almost chopped in half to plus 4,500. Three days later that morning, he was at plus 2,500, so they almost jumped in half again. The night of February 22nd, 
They cut into a quarter of what they were, excuse me, a third of what they were. They went from 2,500 to 800 for the odds. He is now currently the second best odds to go number one overall in the NFL draft, of course, behind Bryce Young, who is favored to go in the NFL draft at this moment. So I'm going to say Anthony Richardson was a riser. Everyone is you know, going crazy about his workout. I thought his workout was great. Um, I'm, I'm a fan as of right now, you know, I, I've, I've looked at some of his tape. I, you know, I know he's got things to work on. I know he's not the best quarterback overall, but he's a great athlete. Um, you know, we get, we got the draft coming up again. This was like the first lean into the draft for the show and I'm very excited for it. Anthony Richardson is going to be a guy that we definitely chop up. Now let's take a look at Bryce Young, which the only story coming out of this and, and, you know, this was like, Oh, Joe Burrow's hands are too small. Oh, Mac Jones's feet are too small and he can't move around. Oh, you know, Traylon Burks slowed down on the 40, and now people were freaking out about him. Kenny Pickett's hands last year. Bryce Young stood at five foot ten and a quarter inch, or I think five foot ten. Was it a quarter inch or an eighth of an inch? I'm not sure. Either way, five foot ten. So as tall as Russell Wilson and as tall as Kyler Murray, essentially. Um, weighed 204 pounds originally at Alabama in his playing time. He weighed 194. So the only question he answered was his small frame and his size at the end of the day, because he didn't do anything else. He had added weight, 10 pounds again for the combine. But I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, Bryce Young can't be the number one overall pick, that Bryce Young, I'm not going to say he's the best quarterback in the draft, but I do think he's the second best, and, and we'll get into who the first best is later for me. But, I mean, you look at him, he's 23-4 and four in his time at Alabama, um, 66% completion, 80 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, you know, 47 touchdowns, 7 picks in 2021. Like, what, 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 what can we say about that? He's a Heisman winner. We saw all the awards that he took home in the 2021 Heisman season. I'm not even going to name them off to bore you guys. He was doing big things with Alabama. I know he didn't win a title. I know he folded to Georgia. I totally understand all that. But Bryce had a good college career playing for Alabama. And again, when you play there, they mold you mentally. You know, Nick Saban had nurture him. <clears throat> we saw what he did to Georgia in the SEC title game. But being undersized and smaller than Baker Mayfield, smaller than Tua Tagovailoa, and again, about the same size as Kyler Murray, doesn't help when we've seen what happened with those guys. So that's why people are going to be reluctant to jump on Bryce Young in this draft. I'm not making a direct comparison for his height and weight to equal that type of career, but bigger guys unintentionally hurt smaller guys in the NFL. It's just what happens. Like This is a very high-level contact sport. Guys that are smaller are going to get hurt a lot easier. And again, I, I don't want to freak out about this because he played great. And he's in the number one pick conversation for a reason. We know he's very athletic. He's got the, some of the best accuracy. Some say he's the best quarterback for accuracy in the draft. Um, you've also got the, excuse me, we know he's got athleticism. We know he's got great accuracy. Um, you know, people say he might be some of the best accuracy in the draft. His IQ is great. His patience, the way he ad-libs outside the pocket. There's bigger quarterbacks that are always more appealing. And I feel like that might be where Bryce Young is potentially getting some of this slack from. Got to stay right. Got to keep the lips good. Got to keep water on me. Checking the chat here. Chris, what's up, man? Good to see you, bro. We already went through Derek Carr, so rewind if you want to hear everything we had to say. I was on that thing for about 20 minutes. No rants, though, because it was it was wild for Derek Carr. Darby says, I understand the importance of the combine, but I don't understand why people look at measurements so religiously. Look at the game film. This is why Zach Wilson went second overall. Ha ha. Nah. Zach Wilson went second overall realistically, man, because of his pro day, which means even less than the combine because you're like, you might run a 40 and you're going to throw on the pro day, you know, like people like, like, like you're in shorts, just like you are at the combine, but except at the combine, like more scouts are showing up. You're actually getting measured. Pro day is just really like a hype day. Well, you know, to be honest with you, but I get what you mean though. And again, I didn't want to buy in on it way too much, but like I, I'm, I'm, when when you buy into the combine or when you look into the combine, that's really when you get to assess the type of talent that's coming up. And it's just when you want to dive deeper, when you just want to see, OK, who really separates, you know, one guy from another. What's his 40 time? Obviously, once his broad jump, once it's vertical, um, you know, it's it's not something that a lot of people are usually glued to, but it, it definitely serves its purpose to me. I'm actually glad you brought this up to me. It's kind of like when you take a test. In the NFL, not a drug test, obviously, but like a it's basically a testing standard for the NFL before you come out of college. You got you, 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 you come out of college and you're like, boom, got to take the NFL combine test and they grade you on it. Christie says 
LOL, the Saints are in cap hell. Agreed. On top of that, the Falcons are going to get Lamar. They actually said they were out. LOL, not even Jesus can save the Saints. I don't know, man. We're not that far gone. Our uh, fiscal response, our, our fiscal irresponsibility is not very uh, attractive to me, but nonetheless, it, it is what it is. They've, they've signed him. And uh, again, rewind, man. Tell me what you think about that segment. I, I went on it for a good bit. Not that I don't want to answer you there, but uh, of course, with everybody watching, I, I can't just spell out on another 20 minute segment, <laughs> but I always appreciate you commenting, bro. And again, rewind on the segment. Let me know what you think about, uh, about the Derek Carr move to the new Orleans saints. But yeah, with Bryce young, his height and his weight was kind of something that perturbed people. Um, but you know, nonetheless, he weighed into the combine. He was measured and, uh, people are going to take what they want from it. Now let's talk about personally, my favorite quarterback in this NFL draft coming up. It's going to be CJ Stroud, hands down my favorite guy in the draft. He passes the eye test. I feel like by far he puts the nation on notice against the Bulldogs in the postseason. I think he would be regarded realistically as the number one overall pick if they would have beat Georgia. Guy weighed in at 6'3", 214 pounds, and, and he's absolutely built. Absolutely built. Perfect form on his throws. He's got the accuracy. He's got the footwork. He's got the follow-through. Perfect on most of his throws, realistically. Let me correct that. The post flags could have been a little bit cleaner, in my opinion. But he nailed it on the deep ball, really rallied it in on the deep ball as well, going for over 60 yards three times. So his deep ball looked, or it went further than Anthony Richardson. So that's a positive takeaway there for C.J. Stroud. I think he's much more accurate than Anthony Richardson, not only with you know the combine, but on tape as well. I think his form was just a little better than A.R.'s, um, you know, just, just a little tighter, just a little more fine-tuned a little more tapped in, <clears throat> but you know, I will say Anthony Richardson did look almost as good as CJ Stroud. Like I was just mentioning, uh, uh, CJ didn't do any, I would have liked to see him do that and see his results compared to Anthony Richardson at the end of the day. But again, um, CJ Stroud, 21 wins, four losses, uh, 81 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Can't go wrong with what he did at Ohio state. I really enjoyed watching him at the combine. Um, it was solid. You know, it was very solid. Now let's go on to someone that I do not have a ton of hype for. Someone that is playing in the SEC at quarterback at Kentucky. Yes, I'm talking about Will Levis. Man weighed in six foot four, 229 pounds. So good stature. You like to see that from him. But, you know, he said he was going to come out and unleash his cannon, and he looked subpar to CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, in my opinion. His out routes at all levels were sloppy, I thought couple times, um, you know, not putting it on the outside and in those throws that would be in harm's way. He was really positioning those throws on some of those out routes where it would have been in harm's way. It would have been batted down. It would have been intercepted. His footwork was a little stagnant and it was choppy on some of his dropbacks. And this is something that he's admitted to. We'll get to that in a second, though. The ball doesn't zip off the hand like the other uh, quarterbacks really in this draft. And people were like, oh, the ball is jumping out of his hand. The ball is just absolutely flying out. I don't know what y'all are seeing. No, no, it wasn't to me. If anything, it's it's got a little air under it. It's it's a little little floaty. It's got a little bit of a floating action underneath his throw. And I saw it at all levels. It was lazy dropbacks, lazy follow throughs, average accuracy. I felt like he decided not to run the forty, and he did have a thirty-four inch vertical, which was solid. Um, actually, the fifth highest among nine quarterbacks who participated in that drill. So again, it's solid. It's not great, particularly for someone who was billed as a crazy athletic freak. Not like Anthony Richardson, but people were freaking out about, you know, how athletic he was really going to be. The big arm, the height, the weight. Um, now, the 10 foot four broad jump was the second best behind Anthony Richardson. So, again, getting some of that comparison there with the height, with the weight, um, you know, just with the build that people were really hyping up on him. But when you look on the go balls specifically that Will Levis threw, he waited until that receiver was about 10 yards past the throw marker before he actually released the ball. So that shows that he's trusting his cannon, like he mentioned, and he's not using his footwork, he's not using his hips, he's not using his core, he's not twisting correctly, following through to get the most actually out of his throws. Will Levis at the NFL Combine threw 59 miles per hour, just like C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson threw 60. Perspective, Josh Allen threw 62, but Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, excuse me, Justin Herbert threw 55. So he's got some zip on it for sure. I'd like to see more accuracy. I'd like to see better mechanics. Um, I know his numbers were great. I would be nervous with Will Levis. I would. Again, I'm going to get more into the tape. 
I'm not solely basing it off the combine because no one in this draft is perfect, right? I'm not going to go through my quarterback rankings and all, but just sticking to the combine here, I, I, I wasn't a major fan considering the hype that came in and where it is now um, for Will Levis. Now, let's talk about Stetson Bennett at the combine. Weighed in at 5'11 and uh, just under half an inch, 194 pounds. Love my boy Stetson. We know what he did at Georgia, stepping up in big games for Georgia and winning those back-to-back national championships. The way he rose to the occasion for Georgia in those major games, the two championship games, the SEC title game, another nail-biter against Ohio State at the time. I believe that was, uh, I don't know, what was that one, the Capital One Bowl? I can't remember. Ran a 4-6-7 and was absolutely cruising. I saw that he wasn't even getting his, giving his 100% when he was running that 40. I, I believe he could have run maybe a low 4-5. You could tell he slowed down in the middle of running that 40. His footwork and form kind of seemed lazy, all like Will Levis's. Um, but he had more zip on the ball, I felt like, than Will Levis realistically did. Stetson Bennett's deep throws looked better, and he was more accurate than Will Levis at the end of the day. His goal line fades weren't pretty, though. Can't lie about that. But he was the biggest, he, not the biggest, but he was a big riser after this NFL combine. And he outthrew Will Levis. I'm going to say Stetson Bennett is a riser. I'm going to say Anthony Richardson is a riser. CJ Stroud, of course. I'm going to keep Bryce Young neutral. People aren't losing hype on him, but his measurements were what they were. He kind of put on a fake 10 pounds to get into the draft. And then I'm going to say Will Levis is a faller as we finish up talking about the quarterbacks here. Going to hit a few more of these guys from the combine before we actually roll on and get into our next topic. Want to make sure Henry got shopped at the combine. <laughs> What do you mean? Henry got shopped. Oh, oh, he, uh, his replacement was getting searched for. Is Will Levis the next Jameis Winston? <laughs> You're trolling, Darby. You're trolling so hard, man. God, no. Come on now. Will Levis the next Jameis Winston? <sighs> no, I don't think it's going to be that bad. Listening to team's offers. I mean, what, what, what do you do, man? What do you do with a running back like Derrick Henry that he's just kind of there in the backfield now? Like, I get it. It's been injuries. It's been the defense for Tennessee. It's been Ryan Tannehill falling off. But at the end of the day, you've had multiple straight seasons, multiple seasons straight, rather, to where you kind of have an asset sitting there. Get what you can for him. Get what you can for him, man. I know it sucks to see him head out. Wesley Davis said they were listening to teams' offers. All right. Let's get into Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver at the NFL Combine. Really liked his performance as well. This kid can put his foot in the ground and he can go. I think he looked really good on the strike route from Anthony Richardson in the Combine as well. Checks the ball very well. Very solid, natural hands. Really nice vertical. And you can tell he works well in the slot also. He understands how to get leverage on his routes. He's not a burner, but I do think he's fast enough. And you look at the way that he um, measured up as well. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, or JSN, Six foot and five eighths. Chris Olave was six foot and three eighths. Garrett Wilson was five eleven and three quarters. Uh, JSN is about ten pounds heavier than Chris Olave and about fifteen pounds heavier than Garrett Wilson. Um, second best vertical out of the three of them, and then the best broad jump by far out of the three of them as well. So good comparisons, and of course for his counterparts in a Chris Olave that played at Ohio State and a Garrett Wilson that played at Ohio State. Of course, they got drafted last year. Now you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba coming up. I'd like to see the Bears possibly go get him. I think JSN was a riser here as well. He was already, you know, going to be a great receiver. Um, but I would like to see the Bears go get him. Definitely get Justin Fields a weapon. But no matter where JSN goes, I'd like to see him go realistically to a team that really, really needs a wide receiver because I think he's a day one starter. I think it could be a guy that comes out and puts up, you know, 1,100 yards, seven or eight touchdowns in his rookie year. Now, let's talk about a faller, unfortunately. And that's going to be Jordan Addison from this draft. He didn't run well at the combine, despite being only five foot eleven and one hundred and seventy three pounds. He ran four four nine in the forty, which was twenty first best among the wideouts. Clearly, not a not an impressive thing there. It was definitely worth his while to run the second forty though, because his raw athletic score or relative athletic score, I believe, was a 3.91. It was a major talking point before he ran that second 40. He graded very poor in size and overall score, and he graded okay in, 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 in explosion, excuse me, in speed. So Jordan Addison didn't have the greatest combine. I think his draft stock slipped. Uh, the vert wasn't great. The runs weren't great. The jumps weren't great, like I just mentioned. Excuse me. Or not like I just mentioned, but you know, if you go in and look at some of that, um, it, it wasn't fantastic for him. 
You know, his arms came in under 31 inches and hands just under the nine inch threshold that a lot of NFL teams do like to see. He had the 34 inch vertical, which was the seventh lowest and the 10 foot two, which was 10 foot two broad jump, which was the eighth lowest at his position. So unfortunately, Jordan Addison going to be a faller, um, you know, when and again, before he ran that second 40, a lot of people were like, he, he's a day two guy after the combine. And it's not that the combine is going to, you know, make or break your career, but it, it does move draft stock. And it, it is a good talking point to see how these guys have adjusted. You know, I mean, Georgia just won the national championship a, a couple weeks after the, the year started. Um, you know, so with these guys coming out, getting the workouts in, knowing that the scouts are out, how seriously have they taken it in the off season? Again, the combine is, it's, it's, it's like a test. It's your standard. The NFL is literally like, here's your CRCT for kids that took that. Here's your standard eye test that you take every year to go on to the next grade. Um, and, and the combine can, can really show that or can really be that type of test, almost a, a character test for them as well. So I, let's see. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit one more player here, kind of split this up again because we got a good bit from the combine, combine but we're going to hit one more player here real quick. Zay Flowers, wide receiver, ran a 4-4-2, great footwork, uses all hands to catch the football, runs very sharp routes as well, got good athleticism. He had some quick cuts on his out routes and just all of his routes overall. I think Zay Flowers was a riser as well. So for this first part, we've got Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Stetson Bennett, Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud as the risers. We're going to have Bryce Young being neutral, and then we're going to have Will Levis. We're also going to have Jordan Addison as a couple of fallers. Let's get into our first ad break of the show here. 41 minutes in. I ain't even hit a break yet. This show is loaded. I, I knew this was going to be a packed show. Like sometimes I feel like I got to get it. Like I, I got to get the show done in an hour. You know, I've I've got to keep it with time constraints, man. People aren't going to want to listen, but still got to enjoy, still got to keep it natural, still got to make it entertaining for you guys. And you also can never forget that we're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide real estate needs, whether you need to buy a dream home, sell the house that you're in now, or you want to use a home strategically, get you some passive income where you don't have to work for that money, funnel that into your retirement if you want. I know that might sound like gibberish, but hit up buy and sell with AJL for all of your needs uh, and make sure when you do contact them, get on that exclusive newsletter. They've also got some AI they just implemented into their business as well. It can show you a snapshot of a certain home um, for their price, um, You know what the home might be worth, where, um, how fast it's selling, how many homes are selling in that area. Really, really loaded information. And of course, the exclusive news is the real news. The real deal keeps you ahead of all of that daunting media news. Oh, it's a horrible time to buy. It's a horrible time to sell. I feel like we hear that all the time, right? Get connected with somebody in the business that truly knows and is truly going to be able to help you out. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, never forget, you can call the show 678-480-8716. Please like the stream wherever you're at. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit that bell as well. And the QR code in the corner of the screen is going to give you every bit of NFL with AJL content that you need. If you can't find us, you're not looking hard enough, but please leave us a review on all podcast platforms. Let's see what the chat is talking about over here. Stetson Bennett could be a good sixth round steal. You know, it's just a little crazy that Stetson Bennett wins back-to-back national championships, beats C.J. Stroud, beats Bryce Young, beats Hendon Hooker, I want to say we like we play Florida every year. So like it's just crazy that he beats all these guys. I know it's not like as impressive, but I think it's kind of disrespectful to be putting Stetson Bennett in a fifth or sixth round, seventh round conversation. I would say like lowest. I feel like I'd say lowest. Okay, I'll back up off the fifth round, but I think sixth and seventh round is a little disrespectful. I'd like to see him go fourth round. He's definitely not going to be a day one guy. Um, but day two could 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 be possible. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out for Stetson Bennett. All right. So we have talked about Derek Carr signing with my New Orleans Saints. Four years, 150 million. We talked a little bit about the NFL combine here. Now let's get a move on into another part of the show to where we had some news break today. Today was the deadline for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens to possibly work something out. It was a franchise tag deadline. 
and the Ravens have now used the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson. And for everyone wondering, what is a non-exclusive franchise tag? Lamar Jackson can now engage in contract talks with other teams. If Lamar Jackson signs an offer with another team, Baltimore would have five days to match the offer to keep him on their team. Or they would take two first-round picks as compensation, which unfortunately eliminates the Miami Dolphins. They don't have a first-rounder for this coming year, I believe, or for 2024, excuse me, which would have to scoot them a little further out. So Miami fans, you're out on Lamar. The non-exclusive tag, which will pay Lamar Jackson $32 million this season, grossly, disgustingly disrespectful, is less expensive than the exclusive one, which is projected at $45 million, which would have allowed the Ravens to control his rights this year. So Ravens said, there's there's two ways we can go here, Lamar. We'll either pay you the 31, or excuse me, we'll either pay you the 32, and if you want to go shop your options because you bet on yourself, you don't have an agent, the ball's really in your court now. If you want to bet on yourself and go look at other teams, you can do that. If they bring something back that we like, we'll sign you. If not, we'll let you go and we'll take two first. Or the other option, we exclusively tag you, we pay you more money, which even if the guaranteed money is off, unless Lamar is really being that much of a stickler, he should be signed already. Like the fact to like to, to me, initial reaction, $32 million for the only unanimous MVP in NFL history. A guy who wins 74% of games and you're three and nine over the last couple seasons without him. Oh man. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting by the Baltimore Ravens, because uh, we know what Lamar is, right? He's, he's, a lot of people are on the fence about him. He's a proven winner. I know he hasn't won in the playoffs yet. He's going to get there. He's dealt with some injuries with himself, with the team outside, out, excuse me, outside of his control. But quote here from the GM for Baltimore. There have been many instances across the league and in Baltimore when a player has signed the designated franchise tag and then signed a long-term deal that same year. We will continue to negotiate in good faith with Lamar and we are hopeful that we will drag a long-term deal that it is fair in both to both Lamar and the Ravens. Eric DaCosta said that today, or excuse me, in a statement. Our ultimate goal is to build a championship team with Lamar Jackson leading the way for many years to come. Our ultimate goal is to build a championship team with Lamar Jackson leading the way for many years to come. I don't believe that's what the Ravens are actually in to do now that the details of this tag have come out. Again, we know this has been, you know, potentially brewing. The Ravens are justified, in my opinion, for not paying Lamar yet because of the other contracts that we've seen and because he's mentioning the Deshaun Watson deal. We know that's an outlier. We know that's an outlier. There's no question about that. He's not going to get that deal. The Browns should not have even paid Deshaun Watson that deal. $230 million fully guaranteed shouldn't have happened for Deshaun Watson. Kyler Murray got extended, got hurt. Derek Carr got extended, got cut. Of course, now he's signed with the Saints again. Matthew Stafford got extended, got hurt. Aaron Rodgers got extended, might not be going back to the team. There's a couple of more out there that I could keep going with, but that's what the Ravens are looking at. When they signed Joe Flacco after the Super Bowl, everyone was freaking out. They couldn't believe it. That they had actually signed the guy who just won them a Super Bowl that much money. So, you know, I don't know if it's the Ravens using Lamar Jackson as their punching bag because of what happened in the past, because clearly he's different than all those other quarterbacks in great ways. And of course, in ways that people might not like, but for you to say that the ultimate and of course, like DaCosta saying what he's supposed to say, right? Our ultimate goal is to build a championship team with Lamar Jackson leading the way for many years to come. But you're going to pay him $32 million and let him go explore other options with teams. And maybe match what that team brings back. That just that that doesn't correlate for me. That that doesn't add up. That doesn't make sense. And for me, again, Lamar bet on himself. Unfortunately, it bit him in the ass because he got hurt this year. He got hurt the year before last. He's been due for a contract for two years now. And the Ravens have played games. Or Lamar Jackson has played games. But nonetheless, the deal has not been established. So to me. They're like, okay, Lamar, you want to bet on yourself? Awesome. No agent? Clearly you did that. Wanted to bet on yourself to get more money? We see you did that. We're going to really let you bet on yourself 
and go look for other deals and then see what could possibly happen. So to me, it's kind of like they're baiting Lamar because they don't think he's worth that much. That's why they're willing to let him test the open market. And again, if it's guaranteed money that's caught up on, probably put a little bit of that fault on Lamar. We don't know the things as they come out until we know it's been very, you know, nugget here, nugget there, speculation, people just wanting him to get signed so bad. People just itching for Lamar Jackson to get the contract, pay him unanimous MVP, give him the check and let him fill it out, right? Looks like that might not be the case. Now, under the franchise tag with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens and him have until July 17th, July 17th to work out a long-term deal. If they can't reach it by that deadline, a new deal cannot be signed until after the season. Now, Baltimore has reached multi-year deals with five of the seven players who have previously been franchise tagged by the team. So again, the ball is all the way in Lamar Jackson's court. He bet on himself. He has no agent and he's representing himself. Unfortunately, that really hurt him because he got hurt literally in the season. And now they're giving him the chance to go talk with other teams and they might match what the other team does or they'll just take two first round picks, which I think Lamar Jackson is worth way more than that. I get it. The the last two years of injuries are really, really not in Lamar Jackson's favor. We get that. But for just him to not be signed yet, again, they're justified but the non-exclusive tag feels disrespectful because I think again, guaranteed money. I think you pay him more showing that he's worth that much. $45 million top five paid quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes money, but you control his rights, which is what would have happened. But I feel like if you would have been able to give him that 45 and would have willingly placed the exclusive franchise tag on him, that might've shown him more. But you're also taking a step back and be a double-edged sword. You're also taking a step back and saying, hey, I'll let you do what you want. I'll let you do what you want if you want to do that. We love you. Might not need you. <laughs> we care about you. But, uh, geez, man. I just, mm. wild, wild, wild. I mean, Geno Smith can get signed. We're going to be talking about him. Daniel Jones can get signed. Derek Carr can get signed. Geno Smith's money, eh. and, and, I, and I never commented as well, and obviously it's out of the Derek Carr clip, but as much as I said we overpaid for Derek Carr, the quarterback market's really about to get reset with Joe Burrow, with Lamar Jackson, with Justin Herbert, with Jalen Hurts. $37.5 is going to feel like nothing, again, because that's an average of what we're paying out over the years, but I'm still pissed because of the cap hell that the Saints are in, the way it's going to backload. That's why they're where they're at. They had to shop on a Derek Carr type of level. They take on a Derek Carr type player to now potentially get screwed again in three or four years by mortgaging the back half of his contract. But let me know what y'all think. Get in the comments. Should Lamar Jackson be signed? What do you think about it? Are the Ravens justified? How much should he get paid? Make sure you like the stream wherever you're at. Please, again, my main takeaway, they don't think Lamar's worth that much, clearly. They don't think he's worth that much. They're going to let him go test the market. And if he can get what he wants, great. Go on. We'll take two picks, which is even crazier because I don't know if two picks is even an actual compensation for Lamar Jackson. But it is what it is. We're going to roll back into the NFL combine a little bit before we get on over to Geno Smith and get out of the show. Just want to make sure I'm tapped in on the chat here. The Jets should go after Lamar Jackson instead of Rodgers, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. I think he would look good. I'd like to see him in Miami as well, but we know that that's possibly out of the equation. Um, of course, even San Francisco would be nice also, but you never know until things unfold. I don't think he's going to go to any of the teams that I really want him to. I really don't know if he's going to be a Baltimore Raven, but Lamar Jackson with the Jets, that would just, that'd be a lot of hype. That'd be a lot of energy in that city, really shaking things up. Um, that would be awesome. Jets fans would be happy and and they would be, they would be going crazy. They would be bouncing off the walls. No question about that let's get back into the nfl draft a little bit like i said can't undermine these guys that performed and then we're going to get into geno smith before we get out of here let's see want to make sure i got the right graphic up for us all right back to the combine christian gonzalez db out of oregon ran a 438 in the 40 41 and a half inch vertical to go along with great size six foot 197 pounds ball hawking skills as well had his hips on a swivel in his drill so that was really nice to see some really sharp footwork 
really nice hops. And again, ball hawking, not only type of skills, but ball hawking type of hands as well on his catches. DJ Turner out of Michigan lit it up as well. Combine pest 40 time of four to six showed everyone that he could be crazy explosive and just how he can cover people in downfield, really be able to, to take, take away the threat of an off the top guy, you know, a Tyree kill, maybe a Jalen Waddle, a Justin Jefferson, whoever it might be on a deep threat. He could be terrific in the slot as a likely second rounder. I feel like if he would have done the drills though, I feel like that could have really helped his draft stock. I'm still going to say Christian Gonzalez and DJ Turner are risers, especially because of just the the measurables and, and the stats that they put on there for the combine. Nolan Smith ran a 4.39, which is faster than DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs, Saquon Barkley, and Christian McCaffrey. 41 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot eight broad jump. He did measure smaller though by weighing in at 238 pounds. So it's like, damn, this guy, like this guy could really be a linebacker, you know, kind of small for a defensive end, 238 pounds or, or for an edge rusher, right? That's, that's, that's pretty small, you know, in terms of weight. Again, he's quick. He can move. He ran a 4.39, second fastest 40 time for a defensive lineman since 2003. He also finished as the heaviest player in the past 10 NFL combines to post both a 40-inch-plus vertical leap, which he had 41 and a half, and a 40 time below 4.4, which he ran a, ran a 4.39, Unofficially, though, he ran a 444. So it was nice to see him get a little irritated about that and then be like, oh, okay, I did it. Yeah, Nolan. You did, my man. You absolutely did. B. John Robinson, we know, running back one in this draft, ran a 448, easily the running back one in this draft. Very smooth hands. He had some elite bursts, nice acceleration at the combine. The drills looked really good, some nice top speed. Um, his pad length was really good as well in terms of how low he was getting his shoulders when he was running through the bags and just keeping his feet chopping in the drills. I think his combine workouts were literally perfect with the footwork, the routes, the re receiving, just everything that he had brought to the table realistically. Kalijah, or excuse me, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama, four three six. I think his feet are just as good as Bijan Robinson's, but he doesn't have the acceleration or the agility or the top speed that I think Bijan has and, and what makes him that running back one. Um, you know, and, and Bijan showed us that at the combine. He goes almost hand in hand with him, Jameer Gibbs and Bijan Robinson, especially with the route running and the hands. But I'm still going to give that running back one role to Bijan Robinson. Kalijah Kansi was another major guy coming out of the draft. His knock was he wasn't big enough. I've got to definitely have him as a riser here. He measured taller than we thought at six foot one, 280 pounds. His four six seven was the fastest defensive tackle time. Since 2003 at the NFL Combine, moving as fast as Aaron Donald, who ran a 468 in 2014. His 10 yard split was a 164, which was a top 95th percentile for him. And some people are now saying that he's possibly even a day one pick in the NFL, a possible top defensive tackle. And now he is going to be a top defensive tackle in this class. Combine definitely helped him. The Aaron Donald comps on the surface, you can't get mad at him. So they both attended Pitt. They're both undersized defensive tackles. They both produced higher than typical sack totals for their interior rushers. And they both clearly are athletic freaks at their position. And they definitely looked good on tape, whether it's at the combine, whether it's in college. I'm not saying he's AD, but when you see a couple stories about this kid and that keeps popping up, it's like, hey, you got to pay respect to it. I want to make sure I get this name right. Aditomua Adabaware. Go look him up. <laughs> try, try, try to spell that out. Anyways, though, defensive lineman, edge, defensive tackle, whichever position, obviously, here at the NFL Combine. Uh, he ran a 449, 40-yard dash, 282 pounds, which is the fastest of any player weighing 280-plus pounds since 2003. He vertically jumped for uh, 37 and a half inches, and he did a broad jump of 10-foot-5. This dude also put up 225 pounds on the bench press 27 times. So teams are definitely going to be taking a look at him as this NFL draft comes up, whether it could be a sub package rusher, maybe going through a productive three type of technique where you could shuffle him around on some parts of the defensive line. Darnell Washington, tight end out of Georgia, six foot seven, 264 pounds, described himself literally as the most unique tight end in the NFL draft. You look into next-gen stats, he ran the fourth fastest 40 time with a 4.64, and he posed, or excuse me, and he posted the second longest broad jump at 10 foot two by any tight end weighing over 260 since 2003. And then looked absolutely amazing during his drills. It's really rare, but also really nice to see someone that's so big again. Six foot seven, 264 pounds. 
This guy's the size of like a small forward in the NBA, maybe a big shooting guard, whatever you want to think about. To see someone that big run as fast as he did, run as fluidly as he did, with as much control and burst as he did, he's built bigger than Darren Waller, and his measurables actually show that. I kind of thought on tape and in the drills he looked like Darren Waller a little bit with just the form and just, again, big, lanky guy, huge perspective. Darren Waller was six foot six, two thirty eight, and ran a uh, 238 pounds, ran a 446. Uh, Travis Kelsey was six foot five, 255 pounds and ran a four, six, one. And George Kittle was six foot four, 247 pounds and ran a four, five, two. So Darnell Washington is within a lot of those measurables and height, weight, 40 time with some of the best tight ends that are in the league right now. So you have to pay respect to it. Speaking of tight end, Zach Kuntz, I believe K U N T Z. They had to change that K right. Keep that <laughs> last name from, a. Uh, being a bit of a controversial topic there. Again, six foot seven, 255 pounds with 34 inch arms, and he ran a 455 in the 40. And he led all of the major drills in his way to doing it at his position. Highest vertical jump at 40 inches, broad jump at 10 foot eight. And he even did the quickest three cone drill at a receiver list, 6.87 seconds. Very impressive for a guy as big as Zach Kuntz to be able to perform like he did. So Zach Kuntz, I'm going to say, is a riser. Darnell Washington, a riser as well. At its home, out of Borway, I think that's how you say that. I'm going to make him a riser. Kalijah Kansi, a riser. I'll say Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, going to be neutral. We knew they were great. The you know one and two running back in the NFL or, or in the NFL draft. Nolan Smith, definitely a riser. Um, and I believe I, I started with Christian Gonzalez and DJ Turner, both risers as well. So again, a lot of guys I talked about, a lot of positives. Um, there, I, you know, of course there were a ton of people out there that hurt their draft stock. There were a ton of people out there that I could have talked about, but these were the guys that I was interested most in checking out, seeing how they performed at the combine and um, just giving you my honest analysis of how I think they're going to be able to play out in the NFL. We're a little over an hour here on the show. We're going to go ahead and get to Geno Smith before we get out of here. But of course, ladies and gentlemen, never forget that you can call the show 678-480-8716. Give me a call 678-480-8716. Debate me on the show. Check me out at the NFL with AGL on all social media platforms. DM if the call might be too much for you guys. Like the stream wherever you're at. Please subscribe on YouTube. That QR code in the corner of the screen here is every bit of social media content that we've got. It's also all of our podcast platforms as well. If you can't find us, you're simply not looking hard enough. Again, at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. Never forget, we're sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide real estate needs. If you need to buy a house, whether it's a dream home or an investment property, or you need to sell to get some equity, make a bigger move in life, make sure to contact Buy and Sell with AJL. Link down in the description. Get on the exclusive newsletter. Ask them about the new AI that they just implemented into the business to give you those accurate home prices, listings in your area, how fast they're selling, valuable knowledge for buyers and sellers very frequently from the guys over there. <clears throat> Excuse me at buy and sell with AJL. And talk about something that was absolutely well-deserved. Geno Smith was extended by the Seattle Seahawks on a three-year, $105 million deal, paying him. I want to see the math on that, actually. I'm like totally not prepped for that aspect. $35 million a year. That's what I thought it was. I just wanted to be sure. So Geno Smith gets paid $35 million a year. And again, by the time this quarterback market gets reset with all the paydays that are coming up, $35 million is not going to seem like a lot. He's going to be getting paid probably $20, $15 to $20 million less than the leading quarterback in the NFL in terms of money. Um, so, you know, take it what it is. Same thing with Derek Carr, $37.5 million. I think by the time everything gets reset, it's not going to feel like that much. But you can't knock Geno Smith for getting this contract here. Geno Smith had literally 34 career touchdowns before throwing 30 touchdowns in one season this year with the Seattle Seahawks. 70% completion, a little over uh, or just a little under 4,300 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, 100 point nine passer rating and just for perspective i want to say that was top 10 in all categories for geno smith he gets paid very nicely absolutely blows his career earnings out of the water absolutely out of the water with a 105 million dollar deal i mean what can you say really what can you say he won the comeback player of the year 
He had maybe the coldest line. They wrote me off and I didn't write back. He had all the pressure on him with Russell Wilson not being there. People were saying that the Seahawks were going to be bad, that Geno Smith was just going to be what he was. He took him to the playoffs. He won comeback player of the year. He earned himself a Pro Bowl selection. And everybody thought that this was going to be a rebuild. Everybody thought this was going to be a rebuild. Three years, $105 million for Geno Smith. It is now done. It is now agreed to. And it could pay up to $52 million in year one, according to Jordan Schultz from the score. I want to say that he also, uh, let's see, let the NFL, yes, a completion percentage. There was something here that was saying that he was on a team, like it's kind of team friendly. The deal ensures that Smith will no longer be testing free agency when the new Lear league begins next week. Or no, here it goes. Seattle has still not rolled out drafting a quarterback with the fifth overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. By keeping, here it goes, by keeping the length to a minimum, Seattle was able to maintain long-term flexibility in the event that 2022 was an oddity for Geno Smith and that he wasn't going to play like that ever again in his career or simply if he wasn't as good last year coming into this season. If he keeps up the same or better level of play, then the Seahawks are getting incredible value out of Geno Smith. Clearly, we know that from the way he played last year. He could really cement himself in the top 10, bottom of the 10, quarterback conversation or you know maybe just outside of the top 10 but at the end of the day you know being the most important position in sports being a quarterback truly is one of the hardest things to find if not the hardest thing to find in sports Geno Smith stepped up to the occasion did what he thought couldn't be done of him he earned this deal and the and again just to know that it blows his career earnings out of the water like it feels that much more wholesome slept on Literally got comeback player of the year, dropped one of the coldest lines. I mean, again, what more can you say about it? And if Geno Smith doesn't, then it won't be long before the team can move on. Again, if he doesn't play well, they can move on. So the deal is even structured like Geno is even nice enough, and the Seahawks are probably wary enough. But again, on the same page, communication, look what he did for the team. They were wary enough to give him a nice payday, but also protect themselves. And Geno was probably okay with that as well at the end of the day. So Geno Smith has been paid. Daniel Jones got paid about an hour, maybe two hours before I got on the show, so I didn't want to cram that in. This was a super packed show, one of the longest shows I had in a minute. I know we were just gone on Friday, though, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 9 was a little delayed. This should have been episode 10, but nonetheless, I appreciate everyone. This has been That's why I let it play out a little bit, get a little bit at the beginning of the show. So if you see that in the future, you know what's happening. That has been the NFL with AJL episode nine, ladies and gentlemen. We chopped it up about the NFL combine. Derek Carr is now a saint. Geno Smith has been extended. Lamar Jackson has been tagged. Let me know what you thought about the show. Please like the stream wherever you're at before we get out of here. Subscribe as well so you never miss the YouTube content. The QR code is every bit of social media content. If you can't find me, you're simply not looking hard enough. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at. Episode 10 will be back Friday. I'm going to be, I, I've been contemplating doing some division by decision, uh, division by division, team by team reviews. I don't want to get too crazy into it to where I overload myself. So I got to kind of see how I'm going to do that. Draft content coming nonetheless off-season content team reviews possibly i'm feeling really good about that this has been episode nine i appreciate everyone we'll be back friday i'm out